Podcast. You are listening to Law and Gospel. I'm live in the studio, and it is Open Mic Friday. What does that mean? You can phone me with any question you might have on your mind, and for, I guess, the last two weeks, we did not have an Open Mic Friday because of my illness, but I'm back live in the studio. God has been very good to me. And I do want to express my appreciation for those of you who have sent funds to Law and Gospel. Because we did have, uh, what was it, a couple, uh, about a month ago, we were about 11,000 short. We're now down to around 6,000 that we need through the end of the year. And we're not even in December yet. So thank you very much for that. If you want to learn how to donate to Law and Gospel specifically, then listen to the end of the program and you'll uh, hear that for sure. So we want to thank you very much for that. The other item is I actually had some phone calls yesterday after Wes Reimnitz and I spoke about that hymnal that Actually, people who consider themselves to be queer put out for churches. It's And people were asking, what was the name? Because they wanted to look up these hymns on the Internet, and that's fine. The, the name is Songs for the Holy Other. Songs for the Holy Other. And in the preface, it says, the title Songs for the Holy Other is a self-conscious claiming of otherness as holy and beloved of God. And that shows you already where these individuals have wrong theology, because they are beloved of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So there's no doubt that God loves all people, but the only ones who are holy in God's sight, who are saints in God's sight, are those who agree with the gospel and the teachings of morality. And if these people do not believe the teachings of morality, then they are not considered holy in God's sight. I mean, God had even his beloved Israelites, and they were beloved of him, you know, captured by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. And look what happened in A.D. 70 when the Romans came in and destroyed uh, the temple and Jerusalem. So they continue, and I just want to read this part. The gifts God has given us are not in spite of our otherness our queerness, our LGBT identities, but rather our identities are inextricably tied up in our God-given gifts and are in and of themselves a gift to the church as we reflect the rainbow diversity of God's creation. So rainbow is kind of a sign for this kind of group of folks uh, who consider them to, I mean, they don't have a problem in referring to themselves as queer. In fact, um, the next paragraph reads, this collection emerged from a desire to make queer hymns. Uh, 
accessible to a wider range of congregations. So we went through some of the hymns, and first of all, the one thing we noticed was there's hardly any comments about Jesus. And that's because this group has kind of left the church uh, because of the morality of the church. And so there is law and gospel with this group. There, there is, but it's a wrong law and gospel. Uh, just like uh, Mormons and Muslims, they have law and gospel. Uh, the Muslims have the law, you got to pray towards Mecca so many times a day, and uh, the women have to be uh, well covered everywhere and veils on their head, etc. They all have laws which are not in congruence with God's laws. So the queer folks here, uh, they, they have laws. And the law, which is accusation, is mainly against the church. Their, their hymns speak against the church. For example, the one, Bless be the holy other, reads, Bless be the holy other when the church has done them wrong. Now, what do they mean that the church has done them wrong? Because the church is saying that their behavior is contrary to the will of God. And nobody likes hearing that. When I, when I was a, a child and my parents had rules and ways I was to behave, I didn't like hearing that I was going to be punished because I didn't do something right, according to their view. I, I've told this story before, but in case you haven't heard it, one of the rules at our school was you weren't allowed to throw snowballs at girls. And uh, one day I was throwing a snowball at a telephone pole, and a girl moved in the way, and I hit her in the head. Well, not only did I get punished at school, but they phoned my parents and so I was not looking forward to coming home to see my dad because, you know, he was really pretty good when it came to rules and such like that. And I'm sure when you were a kid, you said, boy, when I have children, I'm not going to uh, treat them this way. So I had three children, and guess what? I treated them in the same way my parents did, in disciplining when they were wrong. But when that happens, we, we get embarrassed so I can understand why people who like stealing or killing or gossiping or going over the speed limit or these illicit matters of behavior are really hating the church when the church comes out against these things. But that's the task of the church. A lot of people think Jesus was crucified because he said he was bringing the forgiveness of sins. No. I think one of the reasons he was crucified for was his law. Because he would give a, a parable about a publican and a Pharisee and end up saying the publican who was a tax collector working on the part of the Romans, he was going to heaven. But the Pharisee who thank God he wasn't like the tax collector because he was doing the ceremonial laws, he was not going to heaven because he was self-righteous. 
So if being self-righteous and you find this all over these hymns uh, that, that are put out because they want to give the impression to each other that they are holy in God's sight. And we, of course, don't agree with that. And, of course, the church, therefore, gets hated by them. And sometimes they set up their own churches uh, to make a difference. But that's what we're kind of dealing with these days uh, in in this kind of uh, society. So, if you want to phone me, don't hesitate to do so. We're going to start off with a phone call from our good friend. Hello, Herman, you're on the air. Uh, thank you, Pastor Baker. I'm glad you're uh, feeling better and back on the air. Uh, your remarks and following this issue has uh, brought uh, thought to mind that the LBGT movement seems to, and those hymns you're talking about and what they contain, seems to assume that by virtue of being in the lifestyle uh, predilection they are, that this is inherent grace and that anyone who opposes it is a sinner and they need to repent and are supported or get on the bandwagon with it. And it totally bypasses Christ's atonement on the cross and repentance and confession of faith and amendment of life. Uh, they seem, uh, some of these advocates claim that even Jesus and his disciples were practicing homosexuals and yes. uh, things like this. Uh, it, it's, uh, it strikes me that what they're doing is bypassing Christ's atonement completely. Now, that one point you made about Jesus and his disciples, that kind of started with David and Jonathan. They said that David and Jonathan, Jonathan, you know, in the Old Testament, were also gay in their friendship one with another. And the church didn't come out that strongly against that. I mean, we spoke against it, but it became pretty soon that they were finding all kinds of... Uh, uh, sexual identities, even in Jesus and his disciples, that just were not correct. But um, you don't think that your church is going to be using any of these hymns? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, we have a uh, hymnal from 1958 that uh, has the more uh, Christ-centered uh, uh, traditional biblical hymns in it. Yeah, in fact, uh, there was a recent, you know, you can phone KFUO and thank them for what's going on. And uh, recently someone phoned and said, I really appreciate uh, the hymns that you play. And I even uh, remarked uh, to the uh, leaders here at KFUO that they're doing a good job there. Because on Sunday when I'm coming back from churches, it's about 160-mile trip, I often listen to KFUO, and they have a good set of traditional hymns that are really focused on Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, indeed. And that's uh, always the default situation in terms of radio that I go to a lot. Well, I sure thank you for your call, Herman, and we'll uh, keep in touch. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. goodbye. Bye. And we're going to move on down the line. And hello, I'm Tom Baker. You're on the air. Uh, who's this? Let's see. Yes, who's this? Sandy from Alton. That's right, Sandy. Okay. I just yes, couldn't sir. read it. I'd like, yes, I would like to just uh, make a short comment concerning 
the topic of, uh, you know, alternative lifestyles today. You know what I'm talking about yes. and the attitude uh, that it that uh, the gay lifestyle has been selected into a political view, uh, you know, with discrimination. And however, we should, I believe, include interfamilial relationships that are an offense to God, niece and uncle, uh, you know, aunt and nephew, half brothers, half sisters, bigamy, polygamy, uh, communal. Where do we stop? And I think you had mentioned before the next norming of behaviors is going to be pedophilia with children. It, it already is. In fact, it uh, already is. Yes, yeah, some of our mm -hmm. articles don't see a problem if a older yeah. gentleman and a yeah. younger girl, say fourteen years old, and they love each other. He should be yeah. able to do whatever he wants. We are aware the grace of Christ through repentance, that these still are forgivable sins, but we are also told in Scripture, I do believe, that there comes a point when the Holy Spirit does not prick the conscience of people. God turns them to a reprobate mind, and their conscience is seared, and is that not a form of judgment upon people who refuse pastor so i'd like to leave uh leave the conversation at that thank you thank you very much for calling i appreciate that and in fact the example i would give you that backs up what you just said is sodom and gomorrah it's very clear that in sodom and gomorrah god took away the negative feelings and conscience about what they were doing wrong that's the worst curse that could happen that you live an evil lifestyle uh remember when the angels came to lot's house the uh, men uh wanted uh to commit uh, queer acts with them and uh lot this is how good a neighbor he was he said look you can have my daughters and do whatever you want but not my guests and of course they were banging on the door until the angels did something and made them blind. And so they were uh, unable to stop it. That was Sodom and Gomorrah. A lot of people wonder, how could God uh, allow Israel to go into the land of Canaan and do what he did in killing many, many people? Well, take a look at the religion of the land of Canaan. Uh, they were just like today, where they didn't see anything wrong with abortion. Uh, except they would do it after the child was born, which, of course, is now becoming a uh, stand of uh, one of our parties. And I'm not talking about the Republicans, but the Democrats just came out, uh, some counsel uh, among them, saying that they were only going to, from here on, uh, support candidates for the Democratic offices who are definitely pro-abortion who definitely want to murder children in the womb and if you don't want to do that then you're not going to be considered a proper candidate and not only in the womb but we have instances now where uh, a governor told uh, women that after the child is born if they do not want to have it they can put it to death that's what we're dealing with and so don't be surprised when who knows what's going to happen uh, to people who think this way or to areas uh, of the country that think this way. 
you know, a lot of people talk about climate change is causing a lot of these problems uh, with uh, tornadoes and such. I just saw a movie, was looking at it last night, relaxing. It was ridiculous. It was about climate change, and they were blaming what, what happened was a huge storm. Both a hurricane and a tornado was coming to Chicago and was going to destroy it. In fact, it had gone through St. Louis and had toppled the arch. Because I'm sorry, the arch. Because the arch was made to withstand winds up to 260 miles an hour, they said. But uh, this tornado was 300 miles uh, per hour. And it toppled the arch and then went to Chicago and destroyed it. And, of course, they're talking about climate change, which which really is... Uh, quite a joke. Proper scientists uh, understand that a lot of what they consider to be climate change occurred in the past just because uh, the earth is the earth. And it's it's not due to men with, um, you know, exhaust coming from fossil fuels. And it was just really ridiculous. In fact, by the end of the movie, they found out there was some engineer that was manipulating items uh, in the electrical field to cause these storms. It it was uh, a man, and in the movie, when the tornado hit, a pillar fell on him and he died. So I thought that was a good way of God showing that he's not going to stand for immorality, uh, even if someone is trying to make a, a purpose. But... From my point of view, what I feel I've discovered is that there's a lot of supposition. And it's, it's kind of like when people try and give evidence for things in the Bible. They just bring them out of thin air, which really is not evidence at all uh, for what the Bible has to say. But it often contradicts the Bible, uh, much of this. And also gives the impression that if you can show enough evidence to somebody about the Bible being true, then they'll have an easier time in coming to faith, which totally misunderstands that the unregenerate person, there's nothing you can do to bring them closer to faith. Instead, you preach long gospel and the Holy Spirit uses the word of God. I can't remember one time when Jesus pointed to evidence as to the reason why what he was doing was correct. He's instead always quoting the Old Testament. John the Baptizer, disciples, how do we know you're the Messiah? Uh, All Jesus had to do was become brilliant more than he did on the Mount of Transfiguration or show he could fly, or all kinds of things. He didn't do that. Instead, what did he do? He quoted Old Testament passages. And that's really what we need to remember, that the way to bring person to faith is by quoting the Scripture and using that. Okay, time to go to the phone lines again. Let's go talk with James. Hi, James, you're on the air. Hello, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing real good. I haven't heard from you for a while. Oh, that's right. I was ill. 
I wasn't ill, Pastor. No. No, no, no. But, but while I was ill, that was the only good thing about being ill. I didn't have to hear from you. Yeah, we've missed you. We've had I know. things in the group. We were we were uh, trying to find out about a guy by the name of Charles Porterfield Cross. And we'd like to know what confessionalism is and what neo-Lutheranism is. Um, tell us a little bit about that to keep us uh, going in our study. What had you heard up to this point? Well, it wasn't what we heard. It's what we were reading yeah. uh, about well, well, the seminary in Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah, now, what specifically? I'm a little ignorant on Charles Porterfield Cross in that area. What were the things that you were hearing? Well, that uh, he was... Uh, uh, in a movement that was to uh, what they talked about, distinctive Lutheranism, where uh, it would be uh, the education from the from the uh, I guess the seminary in Gettysburg was to teach a, a form of Lutheranism that was confessional and had a neo-Lutheranism, and that's what we want to know what that meant. Uh, uh, background to it, I guess. Yes, he's kind of known for uh, a confessional revival, they call it. Uh, this occurred uh -huh. in uh, 1861. Uh, in fact, um, he was a pastor, and he actually resigned from the pastoral ministry and became editor of the Lutheran, which is a theological uh, journal dealing with uh, Lutheranism. And the goal was to restore the confessions of faith found in the Book of Concord. Now, you know what the Book of Concord is. That's the confessions of the Lutheran Church. And there was an interesting discussion they had on issues, etc. recently. Uh, somebody had phoned in and said, yeah, when you talk about Lutheran theology, uh, people kind of turn that off. Why don't we talk about scriptural theology instead, which is the same. And uh, what was said on issues, etc., is that originally that was known, uh, the confessions of not the Lutheran Church, but the confessions of Christianity, and they refer to it as the Book of Concord. We even have a program here on KFUO, uh, and I can't remember what day it is, I think it's Wednesdays, where they go through the Book of Concord trying to help people understand uh, what the teachings of Christianity are. And so at that time, okay. there needed to be a confessional revival, and he was really trying to help that to uh, uh, bring unity uh, among the Lutherans as to what was being taught. Remember, there was a, a form of pietism that many sermons ended up going towards a wrong form of pietism where they were ending always with um, what I like to call French or salad endings. May we or let us, trying to get people to be better in their behavior, etc. And he wanted to return instead uh, to the confessions of the Lutheran Church because they focus on Jesus Christ. So that's wow. where he was important. Okay, great. And that program, I believe you're talking about, is called Concord Matters? Yes, that's right. Concord Matters. Very good. Okay. 
Yeah, so okay. if you really want to understand, that's probably a good program to be listening to. Okay, so that, that, that I guess, what is, when you say neo or new Lutheranism, what is, that was the new, is that what the Yeah, new it was at was? a time, uh, for example, if you read what ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, is talking about, that everyone is really... Uh, saints under God, Buddhists, Hindus, all this kind of thing. The Lutheran Church, Missouri mm-hmm. Synod would be really the church for confessional revival. That's also true about the Wisconsin Synod, that we want to focus instead on Jesus Christ and his teachings. And so we're going through that right now today where we need a confessional revival, and that's why it's really important to listen to KFUO. Okay? Okay. Thank you so very much. It's glad to have you back, Pastor. And it's really good to hear from you again, James. Thank you. God bless. And that's uh, James. And guess what? We're at the end of Open Mic Friday. I'm glad to be back in the chair. Uh, Monday, we begin a new church year. What does that mean? We're going to explain it on Monday and go over one of the lessons And again, listen carefully to the end of the program as we're getting closer to our goal. God bless. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.